Vampire War for the Second City is a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat with I, Dale, as storyteller. Please be advised that this podcast contains descriptions of gore, depravity, addiction, coercion, and other adult themes. This is not D&D. This is a game where we play monsters of the night who do monstrous things. Welcome back, everyone. It's time for another session of Vampire War for the Second City. Tonight's episode is entitled Tainted Blood. It is part two of Let Blood Boil. And I'll be frank with you. It all hinges on what you do tonight. The fate of not only yourselves, but all of the kindred of the city rests in your hands. No pressure. Paradox is not joining us tonight as he has work, so Derek will be piloted by me and Ash and Demiurge in various spits and bursts. I'll try not to get him killed. I'll try not to get him killed, but he'll be back next session. So, Vincent, Hope, and Derek. You stand outside Captain Cook's charcoal chicken, the the makeshift meeting place for the Baron of the Anarchs and her warlords. The summer air is no longer a thing. It's March and the heat has dissipated rather quickly but the humidity remains and as you stand here plotting your next move alone on the street feels almost like the air is clinging to your cold dead faces when you touch your cheeks it's almost like you can feel sweat 
your skin feels like sticky leather upholstery. You've decided that you would like to pay a visit to St. Vincent's Hospital to learn about the recent deaths similar to those suffered by Kim Daring at the Anarch Rant. Baron Sue had known about these deaths for at least a few nights, but in the interests of preserving any slim chance of Sage being found and returned to the Anarch Domain safely, she chose not to tell anyone. Perhaps, perhaps holding out until it was too late. Or at least that seems to be the opinion of Crow, the House Goratrix Tremere Warlord. You've contacted Emily and asked for her assistance in helping you get into the hospital. She's agreed to meet you at St. Vincent's Hospital. You've also left a message with Dorian, Sylvia's retainer. And he's said that he'll try to get in touch with her if he can. See if she can render any assistance. But aside from that, you're on your own. Baron Sue and the Warlord seem pretty intent on keeping this looming outbreak of sickness under wraps. Not only from the Anarchs, but from the Camarilla, who might come down upon the Anarchs with a vengeance if what has transpired tonight reaches Prince Squizzy's ears. So, before you head off to St. Vincent's Hospital, is there anything you would like to do? I'm hungry. Yeah, what's your hunger at, Vincent? I'm at three. Three. Well, you could hunt, but as your beast begins to growl inside you and you feel those ever-present pains of hunger surge up your spine into your dead brainstem, there's slight sense of foreboding that lingers in the back of your mind. It's been confirmed that what happens to Kim Daring is the result of the vaccines. The plan that Task Force Harker have been building towards for months is finally being enacted. And so, if you'd like to hunt your normal way, there will be a danger. I had Dusty make a charisma and leadership role to see how many people he could dissuade from taking the vaccine. Each success he gained would mean that 10% of the population held off. He rolled five successes. So anyone you feed from in these coming nights will have a 50% chance of being unvaccinated. 50-50, reasonable odds. It's up to you if you'd like to take the gamble. If you want to, I can help you screen out people. That could be of uh, great assistance. Will that be anti-vax? Yeah. 
weird state of affairs, this. No worries, come on, let's go get you fed. Yeah, Hope, you're noticing Vincent's antsy. He's rubbing his fingers together. He's looking from left to right as you lead him down the street back towards the Anarch rant. And as you hear the distant bass pounding in the quiet night, Vincent narrows his eyes and looks left and right like an animal searching for its prey in the darkness. Vincent, will you be hunting at the rant or would you like to find a place less populated? I have a feeling that there won't be a lot of uh, my kind of people at the rant. Yeah, you didn't seem to like it very much there. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking that... I don't think about who would be, like, least inclined to be vaccinated. Who also fits the criteria. Mm, yeah, that's exactly. the problem. All the rich people I know over in my neck of the woods got the vaccination regardless of politics. Mm. They don't have to be rich. They just have to be... Attractive, I believe, is Vincent's criteria. Mm, familiar. They have to remind Vincent of himself. Mm. Mm. Well, being rich definitely helps in that case. Absolutely, but... It's not the sole requirement. No. There are a lot of traits. It could even be something superficial, like uh, dress, well, what's, countenance. What's near the hospital? Is the casino anywhere near it? Well, the hospital is all the way on the other side of the CBD. It's on the very edge of Carlton and East Melbourne. And while it is not right next to the casino, it is in the CBD. It's the bustling heart of the city. And there's going to be no shortage of nightlife in that area. Yeah, so we'd have to pass by it to get there anyway. That's, that's, it's a good I mean, bet. we yep. hunted there together before and it worked out. It did. I'm no. as full as I can be right now, so let's stop there again and I'll help you screen people out. Alright, you might have a more uh, patient eye than I do. Alright. Yeah. See so, what it is. Derek just looks around and takes a glance at takes a glance at Vincent, who's still fidgeting, his eyes darting from left to right, trying to find someone anyone and he just says mm, it's either the rant or we're gonna be scrounging around in people's backyards trying to find someone to feed from let's get to the car and head towards the hospital quickly and maybe vincent will find someone who's worth snacking on so yeah <laughs> i share a look with them and we remember how you know, we saw Vincent throw the guy in the hallway and he had the blood and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he don't like me hungry. Um, we could look out for people who aren't wearing masks as well. Yes, that'd probably be a good indicator. So, Oh yeah, there we go. So you flank Derek and Hope, you flank Vincent on either side because he seems to agree that this is not the place to hunt and... He agrees to hold on, but you can see him fidgeting. You can still see him snatching glances here and there as you make your way down the street towards where his car and Hope's Kawasaki are parked. And 
you could tell that right now Vincent's fighting an eternal battle with his beast as it roars, not caring for the dangers, not caring for something as simplistic as Ventru preferences. It wants to feed and it wants to feed soon. You reach the empty car park next to the abandoned apartment block, the loud bass music still pounding through the night sky, a couple throngs of party goers gathered around here and there, coming to and from the building. You half help, half push Vincent towards the car and then pull open the driver's side door and push him in. And Vincent, as soon as you sink down into the driver's seat of your car, the familiarity seems to subdue your beast, at least momentarily. Acting almost on autopilot, you wrap your hands around the wheel and reach for the key in the ignition as Derek clambers into the passenger side and... Hope folds up her Kawasaki and slides into the back seat. The engine roars to life and trying your best to drown out your beast's growls and roars in the purr of the engine. You pilot your car onto the M1 and join the parade of traffic making their way down this artery into the city. When you reach the Docklands, you take the off-ramp off the M1 and merge into the city, into this nest of brightly lit skyscrapers, awash with activity. The vaccines are out and the lockdowns are lifted. The streets are busier than you've seen them in months. All of these people, all of them congregating, packed together, nightclubs, cafes and restaurants buzzing with life. Your beast begins to roar even louder than the car engine and you quickly look to Hope and Derek, unsure of how they can't possibly hear your beast crying out for sustenance. You must feed and you must feed soon. Wait until you're well and truly in the CBD, in the midst of South Bank, right across the Yarra River. The Crown Complex and the NGV visible, lighting up the night on the other side, their lights reflecting on the ink-like surface of the water. You park your car in a temporary spot for pickups and drop-offs only on the side of a main street, leave the engine idling and without without saying anything to the other two you climb out of the car and join the crowd as it moves past your vehicle ready for the hunt so vincent are you going to try to look for people who don't have masks on furthermore i have an idea um i'm going to go to a busy area and start talking noticeably saying anti-vax anti-mask rhetoric and i'm going to use awe to help along with that and see if i could 
bring any people to me who agree with my opinions that I'm stating. Yep. So you merge with the crowd, a flurry of life and activity, their voices reduced to nothing more than an incessant buzz in your ears as your predator sense takes hold. And before you know it, with no idea how much time has passed, you find yourself on the edge of Federation Square. The concrete square is open and loud music is pounding, drowning out the buzz of people's voices. There's some sort of event going on, a celebration to mark the end of lockdown. A concert to promote getting the jab as evidenced by the big cartoon picture of a syringe with a smiley face emblazoned on a poster hanging from a nearby utility box. You step into the middle of the square right in front one of the big speakers from which the music emanates and begin your performance. I would like you to please go ahead, make a charisma and performance check, and you may add your awe. Sadly, I have jack shit in performance, but um, that's three, four dice. Oh god, this could be bad. Um, hmm. Two successes. Two successes. So I, yes, Hope? I'm going, I'm going to try to back him up by, you know... Uh, looking for maskless people and say, hey, you know, and walking around and trying to corral them this way. Yeah, correct. So while Vincent stands there in front of the speaker, he holds out his arms aloft and he says, wake up, you sheep. You're going to have sheep. blood clots. Take off your <laughs> masks. It's fear mongering. Hope you're prowling around Federation Square, moving in between people listening in on conversations and trying your very best to notice people who might be willing to receive Vincent's quite frankly rather insane message. <laughs> I'd like you to go ahead for me, Hope, and please make a manipulation subterfuge check. Alright. Uh, four dice, who knows? And uh, for his part, Derek's probably just going to stand by in case he needs to stop Vince from killing anyone. Yeah, yeah. I got three successes. So Derek's just standing on the edge of Federation Square. His eyes narrowed. He's keeping a watch on the crowd. You see a couple of people walk past Vincent, shoot him dirty looks, and a woman with blonde hair just straight up calls out, Fuck off, you anti-vax prick! Vincent just flips over the bird. <laughs> Derek is ready, and you see him bite the tip of his finger, lower a drop of blood into his mouth, ready to jump to action if Vincent's words incite anything more than morbid curiosity. And you're moving around, Hope, and you see a couple people here and there. Notice a few not wearing masks. Notice some people who are wearing masks, but they're hanging loose, not covering their nostrils or their nose. Mm -hmm. A couple of people yeah. staring at 
couple of people who are masked up properly, but keep giving sidelong glances to those wearing their proud, I got the jab badges on their vests. And carefully, subtly, you direct them towards Vincent, dropping a few hints about, oh, I heard there's a guy over there and he's speaking the truth, man. And He's just saying what we're all thinking. Saying what we're all thinking. And Vincent, yeah. in spite of everything going on, in spite of the fact that most of the people who pass you by give you angry, dirty looks, and you draw quite a few threats of violence, you end up drawing a crowd of at least five, six people, all of them gathering around you, just standing there, listening to your rant, occasionally chiming in with a occasionally chiming in with a fist pump or a, yeah, right on, man! Fuck the sheep! <laughs> Is there anyone that, uh, sticks out to me as someone who reminds me of myself? Most of these people are exactly the types of people you would expect to fall for the bullshit you're spouting. They're dressed in bargain basement bargain basement clearance attire their hair is disheveled their skin dirtied and unwashed but there is one of them a young man of about 19 or 20 he's dressed a bit smarter than the others his track pants and shirt designer label he's wearing a big silver chain around his neck and after you finish your creed he simply nods at you and then reaches into his pocket pulls out a set of keys and presses a button you hear the sound of a car alarm turning off coming from your right and you whirl around and you see a modified crx the next year's <laughs> model after yours the man smiles at you and he says, <laughs> Well, look, I've been holding off for reasons of my own, but you're entitled to your opinion and I respect your balls, man. And he flashes you the thumbs up before he disperses from the crowd and begins to stride across Fed Square towards his car, which is now lit up waiting for him. Okay, I'm going to... Uh... Follow behind. I was going to um, potentially bring him up to talk, um, but I'm going to follow behind him, and I'm, I'm going to call out to him. Like, um, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the yeah. rest of the crowd busy with my own rhetoric, which <laughs> is mainly yep. the red hat stuff I've heard. <laughs> which I'm sure Hope feels great about. Friends <laughs> back home is like, guff, you choking back on vomit. It's like, Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm repeating a bunch of the bullshit that our dear leader, former leader, spouted. So, Hope, as you see, as you see Vincent, as you see Vincent step away from his impromptu stage and begin to follow the young guy in the tracksuit, you slide into the circle that formed around him, 
press up against one of the disheveled looking people. You pull out your phone and you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I've been watching this guy now. This guy knows the truth. And you bring up one of Dusty's videos and let it loudly play to pacify them. And most of these guys are given the incel vibe, so a button or two are going to be lower, no, more than normal are going to be loose on the shirt. <laughs> yeah, just in case. You shudder inwardly. You shudder inwardly. If you were still mortal, this would be causing you to gag in your throat as these people gather around you, begin to hang over your shoulder and drink in Dusty's words. Vincent, you follow your target out of Fed Square towards the car park across the road where his CRX waits for him. And once you've both crossed the road, you seem to be alone, save for the occasional car driving past on the main road behind you. The CRX happens to be parked in a section of the car park that's far away from any street lights. The car itself is the only source of ambient light in this, in the vicinity. Yeah, I'm gonna like, uh, I'm gonna approach this guy and be like, Posados, let's be like, nice wheels. So as he walks towards his car, he reaches down to open the door, and as he pops open the driver's side door, you step out of the shadows, and he sees you, he t- whirls around, holding out his hands in some mock, some mock martial arts stance, and he's like, <laughs> fuck it! As he recognises you, he lowers his hands, you smile, and you say, nice wheels, man. He looks at you, raises an eyebrow, he says, oh yeah? We're into tuna culture? I, uh... I've had a smartphone enough photos of it, probably. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all, like, mine, actually. No shit, says the guy. I'm Wyatt, though. Hey, I, I just got I just got the turbo put in there. This baby's going from zero to one twenty in ten seconds. Hey, listen, you're not part of the local racing circuit by any chance. I, I've been looking for a way in. Like every time I turn up there, they've been laughing me away. They think my car is whack, but like I've been putting so much of Dad's money into this thing. <laughs> uh, I'm going to lie and tell him that I actually race pretty regularly. Mm. Go ahead and make for me a charisma plus subterfuge check. Three, eight. Um, oh no, it's actually uh, my attractiveness wouldn't play in here, would it? Yeah, would. Yep. Go ahead. Add add your extra. Oh, okay. Sweet. Love to see it. Um. Eight, eight critical. The guy raises his other eyebrow. His mouth drops open, and then he gestures towards the driver's seat beside him, and he says, "Oh, you for real, man? Look, look. You seem to know your shit. Look, just come inside. Look, look, look at the CD changer. I got an MP3 player. Look, I got custom neons on the dashboard, and and." Surround sound in there, the seat vibrates. Look, you gotta check it out, man, and you gotta tell me that, like, like I know my shit, man, and you'll put in a good word for me, right? 
All right, man, I'm gonna check it out. But uh, I don't know, that sounds like a whole lot of extra weight. He says, just, just, just look, just, just take a look inside. Uh, give the engine a rev. You'll see, you'll see. And then he walks around the other side of the car. He eagerly pulls open the passenger door and slides himself in, waiting for you to join him inside the vehicle. Uh, yeah, I do so, and I, I close the door. Are the windows tinted at all? The windows are tinted. A bright... They're tinted a deep blue that pretty much means that anyone inside the car is completely invisible from the outside. Probably illegal, I like to see it. Um, yeah, alright. I, uh, I, I take a sort of look around the car and I sort of like, yeah, I check out all, all the stuff that he's pointing to and I'm sure eagerly telling me about. I uh, turn it on, give the engine a few revs. He shows, um, you, he shows you the custom speedometer. This one lights up and it's got a picture of a little anime girl who smiles <laughs> when the car reaches close to its top speed. He's replaced most of the dashboard with this gigantic stereo that can take three CDs at once and MP3s and has quote-unquote surround sound that makes the inside of the car more cramped and uncomfortable. A word drifts into your mind from the days before your embrace. Ricer. <laughs> you turn the key in the ignition. The engine roars to life and you can just make out the turbo or at least the start of it, before the radio turns on and the tiny cabin is flooded with, I don't care, I love it. <laughs> the guy looks at you expectantly. All right, mate. We gotta talk. Clearly you've got some good performance gear in here, but this is too much excess. There's so much weight going on here. What do you need? is a good car with good core parts and then Vincent produces a baggie of coke and a little of this. Yeah, yeah, says the guy. Yeah, we'll get high and then we'll, yeah, we'll fucking fly, man. <laughs> I'll take you for a ride, let's go. And without even waiting, he snatches the baggie from your hand pours a line it on the dashboard and snorts it up and then he looks at you excited his eyes wide as dinner plates you smile and you lean in and you say okay now here's exactly what you're gonna do about 10 minutes later hope you see vincent crossing the road stepping back onto the edge of federation square blood dripping down from his bottom lip as he catches your eyes he reaches up and with the cuff of his sleeve wipes the blood away in the background you can see the crx still sitting in the parking lot lights blinking inside and bass loudly emanating from it <laughs> And that's why the guys who put the fluoride in are now trying to steal, to drop down your sperm count. Call you deplorables. Psh. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Says one man, raising his hand. That's why. That's why I'm not getting it. Cause you see that syringe. That's just full of microchips, man. And they're gonna. Yeah, five G shit. The five G shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The five G shit, man. And then the disheveled guy who you're talking to, he just trails off mid-sentence, turns around and shuffles away, taking the rest of them with him as Vincent rejoins you. <sighs> Derek steps up, sighing. <sighs> well, that went a lot easier than I was expecting. I feel dirty. <laughs> with any luck, we can spread the good word. Derek yeah. just smiles at you and he says, Hey, this is coming from me, you guys certainly have a way with uh, the disenfranchised. <laughs> I'll take well, that everyone, as a compliment. Not everyone can tell him put on a robe and pray in a supermarket. <sighs> so we try. So Vincent, you may reset your hunger to one. Yep. And hope. Is there anything you do? Anything else oh, you'd would, like um, to do? Yep. Would old mate have had any uh, presences going on? Oh, Dyspressia, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let me roll for a resonance. Uh, resonance is, yeah, uh, yeah. You're in luck. As you... As you look over at Derek, had shoot him a strange look. A look that says you're not quite sure whether he's trying to compliment you or make you feel dirty. Feel the blood that you just drank surge through your body. And suddenly, the sentimentality that was driving that driving that youth. The love of his vehicle facilitates a boost to your dominate as you excellent phlegmatic resonance. You know what, guys? I want to get some shit done. Yeah, let's hit the hospital. You follow There's Vincent. no point in overthinking yep. this. Yeah, no point. <laughs> you follow Vincent across Fed Square and walk a couple blocks back to where Vincent's car is parked on the side of the road. Luckily, no traffic cops have come by as... You've definitely been parked there for much longer than it would take to do a drop-off or pick-up. Wasting no time, you clamber into the vehicle and Vincent guns the engine. The turbo roars to life. Proper turbo, not that cheap shit the other guy had. <laughs> he pilots the car out onto the main road. and Once again, you join the... Join the parade of traffic all of the lights blurring together as the car glides through the city. And about 15 to 20 minutes later, you find yourselves arriving at St. Vincent's Hospital, right on the edge of Collingwood in East Melbourne. The Royal... The, 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 St. Vincent's Hospital is a combination of some modern construction dating from the 70s and early 90s, an older construction dating from the early 20th, early 20th century. There's a, there's, 
the section of the hospital, the main part, right on the edge of the parking lot, that is incredibly modern, built out of concrete and glass. But the older parts of the hospital boast tall windows, a red brick exterior, with imposing columns, domed towers, and balconies adorned with rain-stained statues and gargoyles. As, uh, as Vincent rolls up, he sort of nods towards the St. Vincent sign and says, See, someone liked my uh, sermon. <laughs> You've been canonized. Congrats. <laughs> start time. In the back, you just hear Derek say, mm, It's a start. <laughs> I like your gumption. Yeah. You got Maxi, yet. <laughs> Roll up to the gate at the edge of the parking garage at parking lot lean over and pull the ticket from the machine the gate rises admitting your car into the into the parking lot which is mostly empty at this time of night it's just about coming up to midnight now and there's only five or six other cars scattered here probably belonging to the nurses on night duty and a single ambulance parked near the entrance of the emergency department all lights off seems to be a quiet night you park so yep where would you like to park your car um side street not at the uh, actual yep uh, at the actual hospital, that's just a nightmare waiting to happen. If you make your way to the very edge of the parking lot, the very corner, about as far away as you can get from the entrance without parking on the street itself outside, and bring the car to the stop and kill the engine. And when you exit the vehicle, you find that you happen to have chosen quite a quite a nice isolated place to stop your vehicle is shrouded in the thick black shadow of a tall tree just outside the parking lot and unless someone was looking very specifically in this spot it would take them a few seconds to even register that there's a car parked there there's little Perfect. ambient light. There are no street lights, and the only ambient light is that that's coming from the hospital and tiny rays of light here and there that come from the lights of passing cars outside and struck in half through the fence. Hope. As you stand near Derek and Vincent, you hear your phone vibrate and reach into your pocket and pull it out and there's a message from Emily and it says, I've arrived. How long till you're here? Huh, she was just supposed to leave her ID, but I guess she wanted to hand it off personally. I'll text back. We're we're here. Same meeting spot. Picnic table. A second later, the phone vibrates again, and a single smiley face is in the message. You lead 
think I hope I um Vincent I presume you you're not going so elsewhere you're going to stay with Hope No, I'm staying with the group. Yep. So Hope you lead Vincent and Derek away from the vehicle across the parking lot past the main entrance into the emergency department and onto a concrete path that wends around the side of the hospital towards a small outdoor picnic area. There are three wooden picnic tables underneath a bright green gazebo and there's a no smoking sign faded from the sunlight hanging on a chain link fence at the back. There you see Emily seated at one of the tables and she looks up to watch you enter the picnic area. She looks very different from the last time you've seen her. She's not dressed up for a night on the town. She's not wearing her trademark purple dress. Instead, she's wearing green nurse's scrubs, a surgical mask, and her usually long free-flowing hair has been tied up into a bun behind her head. Okay. Yeah, the masks make things easier. Thanks for this, by the way. Um... So, we're going to try a few things, I say to Emily, to figure out where we're going and what we're looking for. Uh, let me ask you this. She nods and she leans in over the picnic table, looking from side to side to make sure you're not being overheard. And she says, yeah, uh, I pretty much know the entire layout of the place. Let me know what you need. Okay. Well, that's what we'll do in a second. I look at Derek. Derek, can you do the thing to figure out maybe where we should be looking for the most impact? Or, uh, he seems to already. What we should be looking for? He seems to already be a step ahead of you. You notice his eyes are closed, his head bowed, his lips silently moving. I tell Emily, this is like the Doctor Strange thing. You know, looking through every possible. Emily just watches him and then she shrugs Timeline. back at you and she says, Huh, never seen him do that before. Gotta say, little creepy. She waves her hand in front of his face. There's no response. <laughs> you know, if you're really brave, I imagine the per- person brought a magic marker. <laughs> she briefly no, looks like no, she's briefly considering it. And then she shrugs. And she reaches for the pocket on the the pocket on the front of her scrubs retrieves a plastic ID badge and slides it over to you. She says, swipe this in any of the... Swipe this in any of the doors. You should be able to get through. She says... Okay. She says, I realised that uh, when you swipe, it pops up on the system, and uh, it would have pinged if my name registered in the system and I wasn't rusted on. So, uh... I gave Sylvia a call, and she pulled some strings, and I managed to get called in for tonight. So, uh, look, I'm on break right now, but my name's on the roster, so there shouldn't be too many questions if my card starts unlocking doors. So what I'm thinking is that after we're done here, you're going to want to report this badge missing. 
she nods and she says, yeah, right ahead of you. She says, oh, I was going to say that uh, I got roughed up, uh, roughed up at the end of my shift on the way back. She says, you came through that car park, right? You see how big that place is? Yeah. Barely any streetlights. Oh, yeah. She says, and a couple okay. of the nurses have been talking about, you know, strange customers lately prowling around in the dark. Mainly those suited government types, but thing is most of the nursing staff are on edge it won't be hard to make them believe that i had a run-in with somebody okay if you want some injuries that look way worse than they are i can help you out on that front after we're done here she laughs and she says <laughs> don't worry i remember what you did to slick she says no no I'll, I'll throw some dirt on myself maybe scuff a knee or something shouldn't be too hard Look, I know where the security cameras are. I know where I can do it without being seen. I think I'll be fine. All right. Thank you. This, this is, hopefully this is what, going to work out. Otherwise things are going to get real dicey. Suddenly beside you, Derek twitches, jerks. He looks towards you and opens his eyes. And he begins to describe what he's seen. The room is... So in how many dimensions do we win? Sorry, go on. <laughs> Emily just chuckles as Derek begins to describe what he's seen. The room is engulfed in bright white light. The wall is covered in metal lockers. A couple of them are open. Cadavers, cadavers lying nude on cold metal beds there's a notepad on a folding table next to one of the bodies it's covered in scrawls left by the medical examiner ramblings and barely coherent theories about what may have caused the bizarre deaths of these people And just as Derek approaches the notebook, he hears the door to the morgue open. He whirls around and sees two people enter, dressed in form-fitting black suits, a man and a woman. They see him. They draw their guns, and the man shouts, Blank body, engage! The vision ends. A man and a woman. Sylvia. Sylvia said something about two agents. A man and a woman working in the hospital. And by the way, Derek gained one hunger from that. He failed his rouse check. Mm, he's a what? Two? Three? Yeah, he's a, I think, either two or three. Just say he's gained okay. one. Um. Emily nods thoughtfully and she says, Man and a woman, yeah, yeah, I've seen them. Uh, uh, think I know their names too. She taps her left cheek as she thinks. Yeah, 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 yeah. The man said he was named Monroe and the woman's name is Penn. And, uh, that's right, they're feds, federal police investigating something to do with illegal drugs said there'd been thefts from the hospital and they were following up following up on it but 
Well, I think we know that's bunk, she yeah. says. Okay. The room is sounding a lot like the morgue. There's going to be clues in the morgue, but we're going to meet federal agents there. So either they're going to be waiting there, they're going to be coming in at that time, or they've got cameras or security set up there. Emily nods. Yeah, definitely the morgue from the sounds of it. I haven't been in there. I'm a physiotherapist, but I know where it is. It's on the first floor. Mm. Easiest way through is through the emergency department. The trick is to get someone to let you through emergency, but hope you're good at talking to people. It shouldn't be shouldn't be that difficult. Just be careful. I glance over at Vincent. I think we'll be good. Alternatively, she says, there is the back entrance to the nurse's station. My card will get you in there, but nurse's station's going to have a couple nurses off duty at this time of night, and, well, you'll have to make your way across the floor. You'll have to be careful. You'll have to do it ninja style. So, talky or sneaky? I think we'll go talky. Uh, I'm guessing they don't let most personnel in the morgue, so we'll probably want to find a scrubs closet at some point and scrub up. She nods. She says, look, my card will get you in there, but it's definitely not a place I'm supposed to be. So if you do use my card to get in there, you can bet someone will be down to ask questions in due course. Who has a card to get in there that you know of? She shrugs. She says, no one on the nursing staff. Most of the doctors would. Definitely the medical examiner. His office is on the second floor, and he should be in at this time of night. Okay. Give me the number, and we might make a stop there and uh, persuade him to give us that card. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she says. So you want to head up to the second floor, east wing... And uh, he should be just beyond medical imaging. You're looking for a Dr. Barter. All right. In that case, we might as just, well, just walk in the civilian office, make like we're going to visit somebody, head up to there, then cut back down to the morgue. That sound good with everyone? All right. Emily shrugs. In which case... She says, hey, just... Don't get yourselves into trouble. My cover's pretty watertight, but... Well, anyone sees you, and they'll know that you're definitely not supposed to be here. Yeah. Which is why we'll need to get a scrubs scrubs closet along the way. (sighs) She says, yeah, there'll be a few. Uh, Look, if you're heading to heading to the medical examiner uh, on the second floor uh, just before medical imaging there's a room they, they get patients in there to change into scrubs for their MRIs should find a few spare sets in there okay I'll lance around at the others we're gonna have to look lively that a problem for anyone works, works for me Derek shrugs and you watch as colour begins to flood into his cheeks and he passes, not getting hungrier. Me? I get hungrier. As I'm no longer pale. 
What about <sighs> Vincent? Sorry, I think I was being a pain. Um, I pass. Sorry, pass I don't get hungry yet. Colour flushes into your cheeks. Emily looks at you and she says, now you look more like it. And then she stands up, stretches, and she says, Ugh, all right, well, I think I've got a patient waiting for me, so I've got to head back in before I'm missed. Good luck, and remember, Thanks. when you get in trouble, don't come looking for me. That's the plan. We'll text you when we're done. She nods, and then she turns, steps out of the light into the darkness, begins to make her way back towards the hospital. So, okay. you guys have your plan? You think it's a good plan? So far, I see a couple points of failure, but... Honestly, if they are legit points of failure, we're boned anyway. Yeah, just so. just, just think and act smart, you should be fine. Come and on, you all say. three of us have dominated if something goes wrong. That so. is true. <laughs> <laughs> Though, to be fair... Last time when Vincent ate that guy, you all had Dominate, and you still nearly broke the masquerade, so... <laughs> Dominate was what let us save it without having to murk a few more guys. It's still touch and go, though. It was. Yeah, it was. Alright, so we'll head around to the civilian entrance, and, uh... I'll grab some flowers from a flower bed as I go, and wrap them in some loose litter paper, and... Yep, make it look like you're coming to visit someone mm -hmm. a few minutes later you stand in front of the glass sliding doors that are the main entrance to the emergency department hope holding in her right hand a bouquet of dandelions and wild flowers wrapped in what looks like half old newspaper and half fish and chip shop paper bound together with a rubber band or two yeah, organic exchange, recycling. Exchange glances, and then square your shoulders and step towards the door. The doors slide open, granting you access to the hospital. The inside of the hospital is depressing and gloomy. Seats and furniture are upholstered in a faux green leather, and the sterile smell of TCP and cleaning fluids makes the hospital uninviting, even though it's decorated to a modern standard. The waiting room is filled with rows of harsh metal seats and crowded with a throng of desperate people waiting for treatment or to hear the news on someone who had just been admitted for an emergency health issue. People are moaning in pain. Some have signs of bloody injuries, limbs in slings and braces, and others are outwardly bleeding with spatters of flesh blood, fresh blood on the tiled floor. Good thing none of you are at hunger for. Mm. There appears that to be a... Nasty. You feel slightly uncomfortable when you notice that there are a couple of police officers in the waiting room moving between the rows, taking witness statements from victims or the people... or accompanying people to and from triage. At the back of the waiting room, there's a single reception counter with a tired, overworked-looking middle-aged nurse behind it. She sees you step in from outside, looks in your direction, and motions for you to come over to her. 
I'll head that way. Tommy with you? You move past the harsh seats, the moaning sick and wounded people, and step up to the reception counter. The nurse loudly yawns. <sighs> okay, what's the problem? Um, can, can you tell me which room Karen's in? Karen, she says. Got a second name? Um, I don't know her second name. I met her at the party and, and she had an accident. I heard. The woman. I would like you to go ahead and please make for me a charisma subterfuge check. Backyard thing, out this goes. Yeah, so Vincent just steps forwards and says, yeah, Critical yeah. four successes. Critical four successes. The woman looks at you, a puzzled look on her face, and then Vincent steps up and says, yeah, yeah, look, we were just at a party. She was looking pretty bad when she left. We just wanted to make sure she was okay. The woman, woman nods and she says, Karen, huh? You see her type something on the computer hearing hear the clack of the keyboard as she silently browses the records and she says I don't know where you got Karen from but there's a Caroline that was admitted an hour ago oh that must okay I must have misheard it was really loud music she nods and she looks at you and she says uh looks like looks like some sort of overdose from what i can tell she's been in she's had oh, her god. stomach pumped and uh oh god she's I in recovery to... okay. right now is there a place we can wait inside and go see her in a bit she says uh look she should be coming out of re she should be coming out of recovery soon but uh visiting hours visiting hours end at 8 p.m and unless you're next of kin i can't let you in to see her at this time of night so you'll have to Please. come back tomorrow. Please. She, she Please. She tries to love as you. Please, my friend is really rattled. I think she we, needs this. I don't think anyone else knows she was there. I don't know her family. If this goes wrong, I don't know who else. I just don't want her to die alone if it goes bad, all right? All right. I would like both of you to please make charisma performance checks. Alright. Vincent, you may add your or if you like. Acting! Sure, looks. Yep, and your looks. You will need cool. six successes between you. Uh, oh, so I just got six successes. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, Do you want me to add to that still? <laughs> That's four, Critical. five, six, seven. Uh, five successes. Alright, so 11 just, successes just... altogether. It just if there's some place we can wait inside a lounge or something, we'll, we'll be no trouble. It looks like decades of working this desk have ground this woman's soul to dust, but there is a shred of humanity still inside her, and she sighs and she says, Okay, okay, look. Alright, you can come in, you can make sure she's okay, leave the flowers, but you've got to be out, in and out, within 15 minutes, okay? She 
type something on the keyboard and she says, now I'm going to need your names for the records. Okay. Rachel Stern. Rachel Stern, she says, typing it down. She looks at Vincent. Mark Adams. Derek nods and says, Jason White. The woman nods, types in all three of the names. She says, okay, uh, she's going to be in room 107. That's through those doors there. She points to a set of double doors at the end of the waiting room. Down the hall and then to the left, and then you'll see the door there on the right. Uh, Remember, I'll be signing you out in 15 minutes, so make it quick. Right. I say as we start eating the way... I won't forget you. (laughs) The woman looks back at you. She blinks her eyes. And then we book it down that way. She blinks her her eyes, and as you turn around and begin to walk away, you hear her from behind you saying, Okay, what's the problem? Next. Make your way past a crowd of moaning, coughing people. And as you approach the double doors that lead out of the waiting room, your heart sink. A single police officer, a young woman, is walking in the same direction, as, is walking along the same aisle of chairs as you, walking in your direction. to act casually. Um, yeah, I, I yeah pretty much we belong here. Yep. You continue walking towards the hallway and as you draw parallel to the police officer, she gives you a curt nod and then continues walking. You push open the plastic doors and step into the hall beyond. The halls are lit by a strong by strong white halogen bulbs that would cause most people to feel uncomfortable, but for you as vampires, it feels oppressive and almost too much like natural sunlight. The doors... I tell you, it's a good thing Dusty isn't here. Yeah, he wouldn't like it. The doors clatter shut behind you and the three of you are alone in the hospital halls. Where are you heading to? Upstairs, find a good way upstairs to the scrub's closet, then to the medical examiner's office, then to the morgue. That's the plan, guys, yeah? Sounds good to me. Yep. So, make your way down the first hallway, and at the end of it, there's a concrete stairwell leading up to the second floor. Just outside the stairwell, there's a map of the hospital and you briefly check your location and see if you can locate the scrubs closet that Emily directed you to. And you can, but you're going to have to pass through pass through at least one uh, wing to get to it, to get to the medical imaging part of the hospital. And you're currently not in disguise, so how would you like to go yeah. about this? Vincent, you want to take your turn to bullshit things us through? I got you. All right. Walk like you belong here. 
Alright, let's do Walking like you're in your havens, you make your way up the concrete staircase and emerge on the second floor. The sign says that you're the sign says that you're in the contagious pathogens wing. Here is where the patients with flus and flus and nasty colds and indeed COVID have been quarantined away from the general population. I'll pull out masks so we blend in. Yeah, I was going to say. Reach into your pockets, pull out masks, slide them over your chins and try to move through this wing as fast as you can. I would like you both to make intelligence and uh, intelligence and awareness checks to see if you're able to see how well you memorized the route through this wing. See if you get through it without getting lost or having to take a longer path. Two successes. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and boost intelligence now. I get the feeling that I'll need it. Success. Success. I'll need it for the rest of the scene, so three successes. Three successes. Hope, you've got the map in your mind's eye, and each time you reach a junction in the hall, you stop, briefly focus on that image, and point in the correct direction. Okay, left here, right here. No, no, not right. No, straight ahead. Okay, there's a break room there. We'll move on beyond that. And, ah, yes. There we go. You see the sign on the wall. It reads, Medical Imaging, and has an arrow pointing to the right. You make your way towards it, towards the corner that leads to your destination. And suddenly, a doctor rounds the corner. He's on his own. His face is screwed up in tiredness and exhaustion. He sees you and lets out a little gasp, and then he stops and he says, Ah, I'm sorry, visiting hours are... Forget about it. He blinks. And I'll move past him before he he recovers. Blinks. Oh, is his ID tag on his shirt? Um, yes it is. This is a Dr. Dr. E. Braithwaite, according to his tag. Not the guy we're looking for. The guy we're looking for. He shakes his head and blinks, and the three of you have already moved beyond him. He continues his walk down the corridor, unaware that you were even there. You round the corner and emerge into the waiting room for the medical imaging department. And there, on the other side of it, you see the wooden door that leads into the scrubs closet. There's a reception desk between you and the closet, but the medical imaging department is closed at night, thankfully, and a metal roller shutter has been pulled down over the glass behind the desk. All right. Emily's ID. Look for a keys. Look for, uh, like, a slidey thingy. You approach the wooden door and you see a black card reader beside it. You swipe Emily's card. The card reader beeps. Beep, beep. And then you hear the click of the door unlocking. The three of you file into this cramped space that's only a little bigger than the inside of Vincent's car. And there's a single laundry hamper stowed away in one of the corners. A stack of folded up sets of scrubs inside it. 
Bad closet. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Bad closet. Yeah. <sighs> this one's not modded. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing I didn't bring any clothes I can't afford to lose. And I'll strip down and. Well, actually, scrubs just go on over, don't they? Yeah, usually just go on over. All right. Scrubs go on over. Derek should be good enough to pass casual jacket. inspection. Derek's size unfolds a set of scrubs and slides them on, and wearing them over his trench coat, he looks mm. looks like looks like some sort of mad scientist out of a 1950s B horror movie. <laughs> Dude, maybe take off the coat. He sighs and. You see him unbutton his coat. He slides it out. I'm kind of surprised he didn't leave it in the car, but whatever. And then with a sad look on his face, folds it up and places it in the hamper on top of the scrubs. Don't worry, I'll get you a new one. If we might get lucky and be able to come back for it. Derek just looked, just gives a sidelong glance to Vincent and says, you better, and I'm going to be there when you buy it this time. Oh, of course, of course. And just in case we can't come back, make sure anything identifying is out of it. He steps forwards, pats down the trench coat. You see him retrieve a couple of things from the pockets, mainly spell and ritual components, and he shoves yeah. them into the single I, pocket. I he shoves them into the single pocket on the front of the scrubs, creating a large bulge just above his stomach. That's fine. Okay. Up to the medical examiner. You lead the others out of the out of the scrubs closet and make your way past the waiting room into the narrow halls beyond. The halls are narrow enough here that you have to move in single file and your shoulders are almost rubbing against the red brick walls. You're moving into the older, more decrepit parts of the hospital. The lights here are less oppressive and the further into this brick maze you walk, the darker it becomes until finally your path is lit only by the ambient light leaking under the doors of the offices. You reach the end of a hallway and there is a single metal door. The nameplate reads Dr. F. Barter, medical examiner slash coroner, and a list, a long list of credentials follows underneath. There's, well, li there's light eking out from underneath the door, indicating that at the very least, someone's in the office. Well, let's uh, knock and see if we can get do this the easy way. Uh, I'm thinking we get it from him, get the ID from him, wipe his mind, leave. Sound good? Easy. Who's going to knock? Vincent, of course. <laughs> yeah. Vincent, you step forwards wrap your fist on the metal door the man's voice comes almost immediately yes who is it hi uh can i come in no you absolutely can't i'm busy in here 
I've got a number of blood... I've got a number of blood tests I have to analyse, and I have an entire report I'm supposed to complete until the morning. Now, if you would say who you are... It's actually, uh, it's about the blood tests. You hear the scrape of a chair on the floor on the other side, and then a sigh. <sighs> I was told they would take at least another hour. Yeah, no, management's, uh, it just, please, can we talk face to face? Fine, fine. hear footsteps on the other side of the door, the sound of Dr. Barter making his way across the room, and then there's a click, and then the door creaks as he pulls it open. Just a crack. You can't see beyond him, all you could see is this short, rotund man with wiry grey hair peering through his thin spectacles up at you. He says, huh, you don't look like a member of the team? Uh, do you guys want to like just fucking bundle in or do you want to do this a bit a little more like smoothly uh, um we don't know who's in there with him but we've got surprise you want to try you want to try fast talking him and honestly ooh let me try something here mm-hmm. I'll say Ken recruited us recently. We really need to talk about this stuff privately instead of yelling it in the hall. As you say this, he nods. He looks up at Vincent's face one more time and appears beyond Vincent to Derek and Hope, and then he brushes his hand in the air and he says, Of course, of course. Please, please, come on in. He pushes the door open and gestures for you to enter his office. Beyond him, the office is empty. There's nothing but a desk, three chairs on the front for his guests to sit in, a single chair beyond for him, and a metal filing cabinet. All right. (sighs) I'll come in. I'll look around. Um, can can we speak freely here? Is this place safe? Of course, of course, says Dr. Barter. Uh, please, uh, take a seat. I'll be with you in a okay. moment. I lock the door behind us. I will use the opportunity to look around for cameras. As you, sh- well, first, as you shuffle into the office after him, I'd like you both to make wits awareness checks, please. All right. Sure. Two successes. Two successes. That could have been uh, missing crit. That doesn't. One success. Success. You see Derek frown as he takes a seat in front of the desk. Looks like he wants to tell you something, but with the doctor within earshot, he obviously can't. 
Okay. Meanwhile, Hope, I'd like you to make uh, a wits investigation check for me. Oh, Lord. That's not great. Uh, can't risk boosting it. But I get three successes anyway. You move towards the desk. You pass your glance across the room, examining each of the corners for cameras, and you see none. Okay. Please take your seats, ladies and gentlemen, says the doctor as he begins to cross the room towards the desk, and tell me what this is all about. We... She doesn't have the numbers yet. The tests are still running, but we think there might be an adverse reaction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, says the doctor as... Have you taken your... Do, do Vincent and Hope take... Sit down, or, or are you remaining standing? Um, Vincent would be standing behind the seats. Yep. Yeah, Hope's going to take a seat. As Hope sits down, the doctor turns towards Vincent. He says, "You're going to uh, you're going to be standing all night, Inspector." I prefer to stand if that's okay. Very well, very well. He says. In that case, he steps towards Hope, and Hope, as he approaches you, you hear him humming under his breath. <laughs> so the uh, the numbers, the test results, uh. You said something about uh, the projections not quite being according to, not quite being as expected. Um, no, they're still being run, but we got some field info back. It looks like one of the subjects died. Heart attack. Heart attack, says Dr. Bada. Hmm. Indeed. See, the projections that I were given did suggest there would be some casualties, but it was deemed uh, was deemed an acceptable price for. He trails off as he comes to a stop behind you. Hope, I'd like you to make a wits insight check, please. Oh, this guy's been sounding kind of... Yeah, I'm pretty sure something's up. She hope is on edge. Only one success, though. Before you have a chance to react, the doctor moving with speed unbefitting of his age or stature flings a hand into his lab coat and in a single motion extracts a long metal stake and then he lunges towards you shouting out, I've got you blank body! Well, I suppose I'm going to try to get out of the way of that. Yeah. All right, you may make uh, an athletics or you may make a strength athletic dex athletics or strength brawl check. Vincent, uh, you you don't have a chance to react, but Derek does. And I will narrate what Derek does momentarily. So that's a messy critical. Oh. That's a messy. That's six successes though. 
as he lunges towards you, both hands wrapped around the stake. Vincent plunges his hand into his coat to reach for his gun. Derek stands up, looks towards the man, and barks the command, Go to sleep! As the doctor's eyes roll into the back of his head and he begins to fall limp. Hope, you're already leaping out of the way. Your beast roars, roars in indignation. How dare this man try to get the drop on you? What did he take you for, this, this weakling, this pathetic old man? you feel that same surge of anger that you felt on the night of the assault against Father Patrick. And before you know it, you've lunged towards the man, caught him as he falls backwards. And in his last moments of consciousness, you've dug your claws that have suddenly formed from your vicissitude into his neck. There's a squelch. May I pay a willpower to redirect that? You may. I would like to take that anger. Instead of making new claws, I would like to slap his hands to either side of his face and melt them into his skin. Yeah, okay. So you feel that in the order to rip them on. free, he'll have to rip his own goddamn face off. Feel the anger coming on. Oh, you just bumped your mic away from your mouth. Yes, sorry. I did, but I could still hear what you said. Um, yeah. You feel the tips of your fingers tingling, the, the, the beast subconsciously working your flesh crafting, the claws about to form, the claws that are about to rip his face apart. And then you grit your teeth, and in the, in the span of a second, fight an intense battle with your beast. A battle that seems to rage on and on. You come out on top, and when you hear the thump of the man's body falling to the ground, he is still alive, but both of his hands are fused into the side of his head, one with his cheeks. He now snores, I have left him the ability to talk. snores loudly, blissfully unaware of the horror that faces him when he awakens. Your beast is still roaring within. You're breathing tense and bestial. Your beast is fighting, fighting to, fighting to retake the control that it almost had, bellowing. You should have killed him. You should have torn him apart. He'll suffer more. This way. Sink your fangs into your own wrists for more. And as the pain shoots through your body, the beast relents. And you're once again in control of yourself. You lick the wound shut. However, I told you you were really intense. I would like you to make a rouse check as beast forced you to use your flesh crafting. Already rolled in and succeeded. Lovely, so you don't get hungrier. Down a willpower. Oh, shake here. Dr. Barton. I look over. Yep. Are we lucky enough that he, we caught him with his computer still on? And open. You are. Good. Idiot. 
It's currently no, no. blinking on the screen as his email client, and there's a document, an email right there on the screen open, and it simply says, three dead, less than projected, but acceptable. Further refinements needed should not be killing carriers this fast. Okay. I will put in a thumb drive and make a copy of every damn thing that seems related to this. You just go through, click the tick box next to all of his emails, copy them onto your thumb drive. It takes about 10 minutes for them to fully download, then you pull, pull it away. Dr. Barter's snores still ring out from the floor where he lies, his arms now attached right under his ears. Do we want to question this guy, or do we want to hit the morgue? Do you have anything in mind? I mean, he's probably, he's blank body, he's a fanatic. It would take interrogation, it would take time. I don't know, I did a number on his face, I could fix it. We could use that as a bargaining chip. But we've got the information, I think. I'll, I'll pay through a couple of directories to see if this is... And I'll check email to all. Copy his email account. Copy all email of the emails inbox. in his inbox. Yeah. You might have time to browse through and see if there's anything of note, but you've got a copy of the whole thing and can browse it at your leisure later. I'm thinking, unless you think we can get good intel out of him, we might just want to keep moving. Derek well, shrugs. Well, we can't leave him says, like that. Derek shrugs. Us. How, how are we going to get him out? Oh, yeah, we could capture this guy, too. Oh, that's easy. We just put him on a stretcher, cover him over, and rush him down. We're looking very serious and solemn. How long is he going to sleep, Derek? Derek shrugs his, I don't know. I'm usually not around when they wake up. Well, let's... Actually, this would be funny. Let's put him on a stretcher, cover him over, and haul him down to the morgue. You're a sick fuck. <laughs> and that way we can, that way if we aren't undisturbed in the morgue, we've got a prisoner to take back. <laughs> I can't not go with that. Turn him over to the Anarchs and he can spill his guts to them. Derek shrugs. Hang out. And he steps over to the, he steps over to the man and you see Derek kneel down behind the desk and then with a groan ugh, he hoists Dr. Barter up slings him over his shoulder and carries him out into the hallway outside there's a... I'll take some electrical cords from lamps and various things to act as bindings yep and we'll buy, find a stretcher, bind him to it throw sheets over him pull the cord out of the back of the computer hard drive and another from the monitor and another from the lamp and then you and Vincent join Derek in the hallway outside he's dumped the unfortunate man onto a stretcher and you then get to work tying his legs together uh, binding him to the stretcher and now you just need to cover him with something yep I'll run downstairs to the closet, grab a few sheets, and come back up. Yeah. So you make your way back to the scrubs closet, 
And a few minutes later, you're back with the others, tearing the scrubs in two and laying them over the man, trying your best to make it look like a blanket. As you layer one over his head, he moans in his sleep. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, injector right under the survey. And then you begin to push the stretcher down the hall towards the morgue. On the other side of the radiology department, there's an elevator. You press the button and wait a few moments. It bings and the doors slide open. Push the stretcher inside and then press the button labelled B, labelled 1 for the morgue. And I'll take... I'll take his ID Well, you know we're yeah, doing this. Because you're going to need it to get into the morgue. Yeah, the elevator, he's bound, of course. The elevator lurches, and as it carries you down to the first floor, you hear him mutter from under the sheet, Ooh, roller coasters are rough this year. <laughs> the elevator beeps, the doors slide open, and outside... You find yourself down the hall from the emergency department where you first entered the hospital. Go ahead, make an intelligence uh, awareness check to see if you remember how to get to the morgue from Emily's directions. Hey, I boosted that. Yes. All right. Two successes. Messy, cri- messy crit. Can I really messy critical here? <laughs> no, you can't messy critical on this. <laughs> but you, all right. But you've once again got the hospital map up in your mind's eye, and you range ahead of the other two who are slowly pushing the stretcher down the hall behind you. Yeah, come on, over here. All right, left around here, and then Emily said down here. Within a few minutes, you're in front of the thick. Uh, thick metal double doors that lead to the morgue. Derek shrugs and pushes the stretcher past you into the doors, and with a click, they both open, admitting you. An electronic device near the door beeps as it registers Dr. Barter's card, and then the rest of you step beyond the threshold into the morgue. Derek, does this match the place? Derek looks around, and then he looks back at you, nods silently. The morgue okay. is cold. Yep, go ahead. I'd like you to stand by the door they come out of and get ready to, like, take them down before they come through with guns. Derek shrugs. Where, where do you want this? He gestures to the stretcher with your new friend on it. Eh, we'll just push him into the middle for now. He, sli- he pushes the stretcher, it slides across the tiled floor and comes to rest about a metre from one of the other cadavers at the back of the room. Right. The morgue is a cold and sterile chamber. The chamber is tiled. There are a series of autopsy tables and cabinets filled with surgery equipment and chemicals. One wall of the room is lined with cold storage cabinets, some of which have bodies within. 
the bodies of the infected, the ones you've come to find, are currently on the autopsy tables. Three of them covered in plastic sheeting. As Derek takes his position just beside the security doors, you and Vincent look at each other. There's no signs of life either within the morgue or out. Do you risk the chance that you'll be interrupted while you're searching for evidence or would you like to wait? Hide and wait. Could be that our act of searching, this is what draws them in. So, I don't know. I'm thinking one of us should search and one of us should hide. Do you feel searchy or hidey? Um... I do search. have wits boosted. Do you, uh, you should search. I'll start, and if I don't have any luck, I'll tag you in. And I'll start searching. Alright, Vincent, I'd like you to make a deck stealth roll, please. Oh, jeez. Oh, uh, well, that's actually not... Um... Wits and investigation, yeah. One success. Depends, I'll get to you in a moment. One success. You nod at you nod at Hope and then at Derek and then crouch down behind one of the autopsy tables. <laughs> Most effective. Derek takes it's a like step back and presses himself flat against the wall, concealing himself behind a chemical cabinet. Hope, what would you like to do first? You see the papers scattered across one of the autopsy tables, the coroner's notes, but the bodies themselves are out in the room and it's entirely up to you what you think would be worth searching. So it occurs to me that if they've got Sage, it'd be really easy to tuck her in one of the drawers. Mm. I'm going to find records for the morgue if I can to see which boxes are occupied. And I'll start with grab the papers and flip through them to see if they've got a particular drawer listed. Yep, all right. So go ahead, make a wits investigation check for me, please. I did boost that earlier, I'm pretty sure. Only two successes. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Step over to the nearest autopsy table, bundle up the papers, and begin to quickly flick through them. You find what oh, you're gloves are on, for. by the way. Yes, yep. You find what you're looking for, a record of who's currently stored in the morgue. You browse the list looking for anything that would indicate Sage is here, the word blank body, or any girl matching Sage's oh. appearance, and you breathe a sigh of relief when you realise that there are only six bodies stored in the morgue. Three that are out for autopsy and three more in the drawers, all three of them male. Okay. She's not here. She's not here. The doctor has left some notes about the other bodies that he's currently been conducting autopsies on. One of them died on a bus three nights ago, just keeled over, having apparently succumbed to a heart attack. The other two bodies, a man and a woman, just came in over the last couple of days and were found dead inside their homes. Their cause of death is also listed as a heart attack. According to the notes, 
victims were all found either in or around Northcote, a northern suburb of Melbourne. And Hmm. one of the orderlies who was assisting in the autopsy has described in utter confusion how what appears to be a bizarre bloodborne variant of COVID has been discovered within the blood of the three bodies. The mutations are so severe and unprecedented, the notes describe, that it barely resembles the original virus. So far, the examiners are at a loss to explain the cause of this odd mutation. All three of the victims also exhibit localised necrosis, usually around their neck and or their, mm. the extremities of their limbs. Okay. I'll look at the security door. Look at the security door, and through the tiny square of glass, you see two figures casually walking down the hall outside towards the morgue. I will try to hide. All right, make a deck stealth check for me, please. And I think it's going to be very important soon, so I'm going to boost dexterity. Hey, success. Success. So, V, uh, give me a second. See how the stealth check goes. The beast ain't yelling at me now. The cat is yelling at me for wet food. He's already been fed, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. It's always the first time in their life. So, critical six. Critical six. You glance at Vincent cowering behind one of the autopsy tables. You roll your eyes and grab Vincent by the shoulder and run to the opposite end of the room, pressing the two of you up against the wall, wedging yourselves behind a metal cabinet. Just as you hear the doors begin to creak open and the electronic device outside beeping to register their presence, the two agents step into the room, briefly look at each other, and then they cross over to the autopsy table where the papers, where the papers have been left. They lift up the yep. sheet of the nearby body, and the female agent silently examines the body underneath. She looks at the other agent and she says, "Hmm." Experiments performing well, perhaps too well. It was just as we're told, we might need to refine the virus further to make it an effective weapon. It's killing its carriers too quickly, and that makes it ill-suited for infecting the blank body population. The male agent, still peering down at the notes, nods, turns to his partner, and he says, "Mm, Well... We were told we should expect collateral damage, but the deaths were predicted to be restricted to minority groups and immigrant populations. This is getting recorded, by the way. Yep. You're recording it with your little, with your phone, yep. Oh yeah, I am. That would be an acceptable cost, but we have here man on a bus and a married couple. These are ordinary citizens. And he trails off. 
The woman shrugs and she says, yeah, well, you know, there's probably a few homeless people out there that have dropped dead and just haven't even been brought in yet. Either way, we can't do anything yet, not until the next infect rate models come from HQ. They turn and begin to make their way back towards the door, crossing the room. Oh, says the woman. The two stop. She turns to her partner and she says, Have you heard from the doctors in A&E yet with the blood sample of the next carrier? The male agent shakes his head. Huh. Looks like they're going to be a while more with that, with that test. Another hour at least. This carrier is responding differently, I've been told. Showing signs of rapid aging or something like that. The other agent nods thoughtfully and she says, hmm. Well, tell them to hurry up. I want to see those results before, before first light, at least. We got to know how this thing affects Renfields. And then you hear the sound of the two doors creaking open as the agents exit. The doors hey, clatter but- shut behind them. They're gone. I slide out. Okay, we could have tried to grab them, but gunfire here would draw the shit ton of cops downstairs. A and E. A and E. A and E. What A and E? A and E, according to the map in your mind, is a department adjacent to emergency. It's for the people who have been admitted through emergency, um, but aren't deemed aren't deemed severe enough to be taken to er this is it's essentially a place where they're processed recorded checked in and then left in a stable condition until there's until there's enough doctors to take care of them properly you know we could keep this rolling we could drive our severely affected patient here over to a and e like, dump him in an... Actually, take him to emergency. Dump him in an ambulance. Go to A&E. See if we can rescue... What I'm thinking is... Hopefully Sage from A&E. Get them both to the ambulance and get out of here in the ambulance. Really good at this, you know that? Derek frowns. I've seen way too many action movies. <laughs> Derek frowns. He says... Hmm... They referred to the next carrier as a Renfield, and that makes me think. Ghoul? Oh, you think? Okay. I wish Either that way, I could say Vincent has read Dracula, but he totally hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. Either way, we could get to... Uh... Yeah, that's true. Derek shrugs, and he's like, and he says, well, I was just thinking if they were talking about a kindred, they would have said blank body, right? Blank body, they would have. Yeah, you're right. <sighs> Do we, he says, so way, we was... can go check it out, but he glances down at the papers. You've already looked through this, and we've got a place we can zero in on patient zero, Northcote. That's They're true. All found there. 
Yeah, we're probably pressing our luck, and we did just get the doctor who was involved with this program. And his info. So we could, should probably take that, go check out Northcut. Not F around here, quit while we're ahead. Derek shrugs and he says, I am curious about this ghoul, though. That's true. Well, I mean, we can leave through emergency. So we can check it out as we go. Yeah, that works. All right. Let's head up that way. Derek nods and grabs hold of the head of the stretcher and pushes it towards the doors. They creak open and you hear the wheels clacking over the tiled floor as he begins to push the push the stretcher with your new friend towards emergency. You pass the doors that lead to the waiting room, lead to the front lobby that you entered through. And then on the opposite end of the hallway, right ahead of you is a sign reading A&E with an arrow pointing to the left. Okay. The doctor's ID comes out and gets swiped. You reach the door at the end of the hallway and swipe the doctor's ID into the reader. It beeps. Beep, beep. And there's a click as the double doors are unlocked. Derek groans and pushes the stretcher into the doors and they swing open, admitting you to A&E. It's a vast open room lined with beds, at least 10 to 12. A place where patients are left to their own devices after they've been checked in from emergency. Only one of them appears to be currently occupied. The figure whose face is shrouded in shadow in the bed at the very end of the room looks up at you as he sees you all enter. As he sees you enter, he calls out, Holy shit! Don't tell me Squizzy's sent you. Get rid of me. Oh, this is your lucky day. And, uh, do I recognize this guy? Yeah, you do. As you make your way across the room, step up towards the man's bed. You're able to finally see his face illuminated by the dim light from the lamp. That's from the lamp on the bedside table. He's the bartender from the Red Star, Sage's Ghoul. And as he recognizes you, his eyes go wide. He drops open his mouth. Shh. Hope! And I'll look around for the camera. Go ahead, make a wits investigation check. Yeah, still boosted. Three successes. You see a single camera hanging above the door that leads out into the hall. It slowly swivels from left to right, providing whoever's watching with a broad view of the A&E ward. All right. So, you're on monitor, and the second you leave here, they're probably gonna see you. I'll look at the windows. Do they open? Are there windows? There aren't any windows. This room's completely windowless. Interior. All right. No worries. No worries. 
Man, if this were a movie, I could hack the camera. So we're going to have to do a few things in close proximity here. We're going to get you into a wheelchair. We're going to wheel you out of here along with this guy. And then we're going to run for it. Somebody want to bring the car around? Vincent, why don't you bring the car around? It's your car. Yep. All right. We'll get Vincent to roll in a moment for something. And I'll go and see if I can subtly sabotage the camera. And Derek, you go and get a wheelchair and get him loaded in. Keep your gloves on. We know he's a carrier. Derek nods. He turns around and exits the room with Vincent following. Vincent, you follow Derek down the hallway. He moves past the doorway leading to the lobby and strides towards a wheelchair that sits collapsed against the wall at the end of the corridor. You push through the double doors And as you step out, you find yourself face to face with the female police officer. Do you do anything, Uh, Vincent? First of all, how is she responding? She looks you in the face. There's a moment of confusion. And then you see her eyes widen with recognition. She recognizes you from when you walked past earlier, except now you're wearing scrubs and a mask. Time to do some mojo. She opens her mouth to speak. Do you do anything? Find out what she has to say first. She narrows her eyes and she says, I swear I saw you entering dressed in a dinner jacket you wait yeah you were here to visit someone and you see her hand slowly sliding down her torso to her holster visit someone we never heard of a last minute call she looks at you puzzled I'd like you to please make a charisma subterfuge check Sure. That's three, uh, seven, and then looks. Yep, you may add your looks. So that's nine. Um, ten. Ten without presence. Cool. Ten. Um, Her hand holds. Oh, sorry, that's one. Oh my god, it's one success. One success altogether. <laughs> oh, Lord. Her hand holds. She pauses for just a moment, peering into your eyes. She can't see the bottom half of your face because of the mask. Then she shakes her head and she says, No, I recognise you. You're not supposed to be here. She takes a step back, places her hand on the holster of her gun and says, Sir, I'm going to need you to come with me. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm going straight for a mesmerise. Yep, go ahead um, and make a rouse check. Sure, that's... Uh... Uh, I hate this system sometimes. Uh, fail. Um, okay, so I'm going to. Um, and I look her in the eyes and say, You're going to keep your voice down, and you're going to listen to me. She 
raises her hand off the butt of her gun and she nods silently, waiting for your direction. Okay. I feel like she hasn't really told anyone about anything yet, so I guess I can just make her forget. Um, unless you want to use her to escort you out. Yeah. There's an idea. You know what? I think he would like to do that. <laughs> you're going to follow me. And you're going to corroborate everything I say. And this is going to go smoothly, okay? Of course, sir, she says. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, sorry for any inconvenience. She follows you out into the waiting room. You pass the throngs of screaming, crying, pleading people and step out into the car park. A few minutes later, you're pulling your car up right in front of the main entrance. There's a male nurse there and he runs out from the entrance and he's shouting, Sir, sir, you, you can't park there! And the police officer raises her hand and she says, This is an emergency. It's an emergency. We need to park here momentarily. Apologies for any inconvenience. And then she looks over at you and winks. Meanwhile, back in A&E, Hope, I'd like you to go ahead and make an intelligence technology roll. That is one of the many stats I boosted, so I'm happy I gambled so much. I am going to willpower this. Yep. And I get two successes. As you walk towards the camera, you notice that it stops moving, fixates on you, and you realize it's programmed to focus on motion. You could distract it by giving it something else to look at and then sneak away under its blind spot. I think back to the desks I've passed, head back, come back with a bobblehead, stick it under the cam in the camera's view and set it bobbling head starts dancing as you set it off and then you step back and wait the camera swivels to the left passing over you and the ghoul and then back the way it came and then when it reaches the bobblehead it stops fixated on it all right as you rush over to the ghoul, you hear the doors creaking open and see Derek striding across the room, pushing a wheelchair. Okay. Gloves on, I'll help our bartender friend get into the chair. As you help him out of his bed, he looks at you and he says, Please, please, you, you gotta you gotta help Sage. She's 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 infected, man. She's infected, but I, I swear she didn't start this thing. Where is she? Do you know? He says, yeah. She's in her haven. Her haven in St. Kilda. I, I couldn't tell you where, but Derek helps him we into will. the wheelchair. He sinks down into it, and as you begin to push him across the room, he says, ah, oh, she she fed on someone else that was already infected. She, she didn't start this, and she, she, yeah. when she knew what had happened, she, she decided to hide, and that was when yeah. I started to get the symptoms, and... Alright, no worries. We need her to help fix this. We're, we're gonna cure her. We got all the info we can. We got one of the guys who made it. So, 
where's her haven? He describes the location of her haven. She, she bunks a, bunks in the basement of an old butcher's a butcher shop, a health food place on the edge of St Kilda, and gives you directions as you wheel him across the waiting room. <laughs> Derek pushing the stretcher behind you. The main entrance doors of the hospital slide open and Vincent motions for you to hurry up. His car parked right in front of the entrance. Beautiful. Okay, the doctor goes in the truck. Un- uncomfortably upon the Kawasaki. As you lift, as you pop open the trunk and as Derek begins to lift the bundle off the stretcher, the nurse, his face aghast, raises a hand and says, You can't, you can't check them out unless... The police officer turns towards him and says, Sir, you are interfering in a police investigation. Yeah. You lower the body down into the trunk, shut it, and then hold it. I'm open. going... Yep. Also, I'm going to pull out some tape and tape over the license plate temporarily. It's probably a good idea. Oh, they're talking. As you tape <laughs> over it, Derek stuff. holds open the back door and the ghoul slides into the back seat. And then, when you're done, you climb into the passenger side next to Vincent. Vincent turns the key in the ignition, the engine roars to life, and... You see the male nurse open his mouth to say something, but the police officer stands in front of him and says, For the last time, sir, if you continue to protest, I will have to place you under arrest. And then she whirls around as she sees your car pulling out into the car park, and she calls out, Best of luck, sir! Apologies for any inconvenience! Before we leave... Vincent waves the police officer over. The male nurse eventually gives up. He ceases to protest. In face of the threat of arrest, he shuffles back inside the hospital. You wave the officer over. She leans in into the cockpit and smiles. And she says, pleasure to be of service. You think you'll be able to make it the rest of the way? Damn, I was going to get her to arrest that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, alright, in that case, I'll just let her off. Um, we'll be fine. Thank you for your help. And, uh, seriously, forget this. She blinks. Screech! She shakes her head and says, "Uh, I'm sorry, uh, yes, uh, you're, you're clear to leave. Uh, here's your parking pass and she reaches into her breast pocket pulls out a ticket identical to the one you pulled from the machine when you entered and hands it to you but then she turns around and runs back towards the main entrance you pilot yeah she's probably gonna get fired (laughs) fuck the boat lease (laughs) you pilot the car across the car park towards the boom gate at the entrance, slides the ticket the police officer gave you into the machine. It loudly beeps and the boom gate slides up, allowing you to exit into the city proper. As the wheels crunch onto the main road and you're safely 
safely away from the hospital, travelling among the other cars. The ghoul in the back seat begins to loudly sob. <laughs> She's... Hey. She could be dead and it's all my fault. If I... Hey. If only... If hey, only I no, didn't let man. her feed from... He shakes his head. Hey, it's... They're fighting dirty and this kind of stuff... There's nothing you could have done. You didn't know. And here, these guys are scum. Let me show you just how scum these guys are. Scummy these guys are. And I'll play the recording of the agents in the uh, ER. The male agent's voice fills the car cabin. Yeah, we were told there would be... We were told there would be some casualties, but they'd be restricted to foreigners, immigrant groups, and the homeless. I considered that an acceptable cost, and you pause the recording. The ghoul shakes his head. So after some editing to take out the blank bodies, in other words, this is going straight to Dusty. Yeah, good idea. I've got both of these guys on film, their pictures, their words. This program is going to get shit-canned so fast. Ghoul just shakes his head in disbelief and he says, There. It's like they, they don't care who they kill as long as they get to you guys. Yeah. That guy in the trunk? He's one of the doctors who was helping with the program, one of the, the medical examiner. I've got all this medical data on this in thumb drives. And we've got with you, with a new sample, and with Sage being an original patient zero, we're going to get the Tremere on this. The good Tremere, the Anarch Tremere. And we're going to fucking crack this puppy. He nods. He seems to be somewhat more at ease than he was before. And he says, so then if they can make some sort of cure out of my blood and that doctor you've got can help you, then Sage doesn't need to die. Yep. That's about how it goes, man. He says, but... She's ravenous. She's... I... I had to... I had to flee. I had to turn my back on her and run out into the night. She she would have torn me to shreds if... if I stayed and... Well... You know what? She gave me a meal on the first night. I can give her a meal tonight. Then you'd be infected too with whatever she's got. Then they'll have a new case to compare with when they work on the cure. He buries his face in his hands and suddenly this burly bartender looks a lot smaller than he's ever been and he says, I just... I trust you, Besi- Hope, but who besides, can you really do if it? I drape, besides, who says I give it to her personally? Lead into a jug, slide the jig, give the jug to her. Or actually, you know what? Fuck this! I've got some bagged blood. 
What am I fucking thinking? There's no need to mark guys. Swing by. Can we swing by Footscray? So it's fine. By this point, it's about it's it's close to one a.m. Um, you're in Collingwood, and to get to to get to Hope's Second Haven would add about another half hour to your travel time. It's already going to take about an hour to get to Sage's Haven, which means, depending on how good Vincent is at driving, it may be pushing you dangerously close to sunrise. Or we could grab somebody on the way and bleed them a bit. Oh, what do you guys feel like? It's entirely up to you. I would rather not meet the sun. She's already infected, so it doesn't matter if they're infected or not, too. We don't have to be picky. The ghoul just shakes his head and he says, I just hope you know what you're doing, but I trust you, Hope. Sage trusts you. Yeah. First plan is get her some blood to drink that isn't us, and second plan is, well, I'll let her eat on me if she needs to. Derek. Derek's browsing his phone looking at Google Maps and he says you got any cult members nearby he says that's an idea he says we could get to my haven which is close to here he says might I say it's only a few blocks from here fuck let's do it he says but I've already fed from my herd tonight and I try to limit how often I feed from them give them a chance to recoup their losses so if we get any blood from them to give to Sage, they're going to be out of commission for, until this whole thing is over. He says, so, we're going to have to choose. They're saving them for us, for an emergency, or they're going to Sage. I've been working on a thing, Derek. I can help you supplement the herd. It's not going to taste great, but as long as you're fine with eating like dog or whatever. Derek shrugs and he says, well, I feed from them because they're convenient, but I'm not like Vince. Uh, I don't have any of those bizarre restrictions. Refinements. Call them refinements. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tasted dog. It's bleh, but it gets you by. All right. Let's stop by your place and get some blood to take to her. It'll be like Uber Eats, you know? Derek nods. He says, let's and go. Also, and also we can drop off the doctor in a place where he's going to be watched. Derek says, hmm, could keep him in my haven if you want. I, uh... Shoots a strange look at Vincent, then he turns back to you, Hope, and he says, I, uh, have places. All right. Yeah, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll storm here until we can get the Anarchs what they need. All right. Let's go, my haven. And then he wraps his arms around the back of the driver's seat. Touch it, hanging his hands on Vince's shoulders, and he says, You already know where that is, don't you, Vince? <laughs> sure, dear. About 10 minutes later, Vince's car is 
crunching over the asphalt of the abandoned of the parking lot of the abandoned supermarket that is Derek's church. The big sign hanging above the entrance. Society for enlightened individuals. Meetings nightly and choir within. You park your car, clamber out. Derek makes his way into the church to get his herd ready. And then you help Vince extract the good doctor from the boot and carry him into the church. Uh, yes. Along the way, I would have liked to stop at like a all night supermarket or 7 Eleven, grabbed a cooler and some ice. Ah, yeah. Well, Derek will have those on hand. Okay, cool. That's fine. Step through the doors of the abandoned supermarket and into the inside of the church. The pews are filled with Derek's herd, and you catch him on the tail end of his inspirational speech he glances in your direction and says the masters appreciate the gifts of blood each drop gifted granting you another step along the path of enlightenment all of the petitioners turn in unison to watch you as you enter the church and then Vincent, and then Derek makes his way between the hues, gestures for you to follow him, and leads you into what was once the stockroom and loading bay of the old supermarket, but thanks to Vincent's kindness and money, has been refitted into an exquisite library, Walls covered in tall oak bookshelves groaning under the weight of hundreds upon hundreds of rare and valuable occult tomes. Derek says, Vince. Go, go ahead, Vincent. Vince is just sort of puffing his chest out. Dude, smug. you're decorated. <laughs> Derek just shrugs and he says, oh, You can thank Vince for this. He says, anyway, I've got a little laboratory at the other end of it, and he leads you across the library into what was once the meat locker for the supermarket. It's now just a little tiled room with a with a single wooden table in the middle, a shelf filled with uh, spell books on one side, and... A stone altar covered in a cloth and blanketed in all sorts of spell components. Gemstones, bizarre powders, and small bottles filled with odd-coloured liquids. Derek gestures towards the table in the middle of the room and says, oh, You can leave him here. He won't, he, he won't be going anywhere. All right. I'll tie him down nonetheless so he doesn't cause any damage when he wakes up. You lower him onto the table and secure him in place with cords and other bindings. Derek emerges from the library with a thick length of rope. Use this to make absolutely sure he won't be able to remove when he awakens. And then you stuff a, and then you stuff a velvet cloth obtained from the nearby altar into his mouth so that his screams don't disturb Derek's petitioners. 
when you're done, Derek joins you in the library. In his right hand, he's holding an esky. Australian slang for cooler hope. He pops the All lid, right. and inside there's enough blood to satisfy a vampire in the midst of hunger frenzy. Alright. They earned their enlightenment today. I'll pack the ice to make sure it stays good. Let's do this. Derek nods. He leads you back through his church. You see the petitioners as they watch you, bleary-eyed, rubbing their forearms, their skin a little paler than before. Before you exit, Derek whirls around and he says, The masters appreciate your kind gifts. Now, rest for a few days. You've earned it. And then he follows you out into the parking lot, pulling the door shut behind him. Derek I'll go ahead and take the tape. Take the tape off Vincent's plate. Yep. Sorry. As you rip it off. Sorry, what was it? As you rip it off, Derek shrugs and he says, "I hope this. I hope this is going to work. I won't be able to feed from them for at least a week now." I got you, Boo. We're going to do this. He says, "You needed enough for a frenzying vampire. I got." 10, 15 bags worth in there. Ooh. All right. That, if it doesn't do it, well, we'll see. Like I said, I'm the Judas goat if it doesn't work. Derek nods and slides into the back seat, cradling the cooler on his lap. Vince turns the key in the ignition. Chad car roars to life and then with a screech of its tires screams out into the night racing towards Sage's Haven, racing against time, her unlife hanging in the balance. Is there anything you would like to do on your way to Sage's Haven? Oh, I think I'm set. Hope? Not really. I mean, everything has come down to this. We've got everything we possibly can from the hospital that I think, short of taking one of the agents themselves, and that was way too risky. Yeah, definitely got a fair bit of intel. I'll give you that, so. Yeah. The little clock on the dashboard of the CRX ticks over exactly 2 a.m., when you pull up in front of Sage's Haven. This is the haven of Sage, but not Patient Zero, if the ghoul is to be believed. Sage's Haven is an old butcher's shop in St Kilda. A couple of blocks away from the gentrification, away from the trendy hipster bars and restaurants. This is the old, industrial part of St Kilda. And Sage has made a good job of hiding away here, kept safe and hidden by the urban decay. The butcher shop is located at the end of a row of houses, all of which seem to be empty, big for rent signs, 
buttons emblazoned on billboards in front of them. The outside of the building is littered with rubbish and the windows are covered in faded posters for gigs and nightclubs. Many of the houses nearby have broken windows or are boarded up. There's a burnt out car on the road right in front of the butcher, butcher shop. Well, take the cooler out of the car. Vincent's car comes to a stop. You climb out. Derek follows behind you. He holds out the cooler, offering it to you, Hope. I'll take it. I will take the lid off, take one of the blood bags, and squeeze it until it pops and smear it across the cooler bit of the cooler. The plastic bursts and the blood begins to leak out over your hand. You rub the palm of your hand over the lid in front of the cooler. The stench of blood, fresh blood emanates from it. There would be no mistaking what's contained within now. Door should be open, yeah? I'll ask our bartender friend bartender nods he points towards the door and indeed you can see the dusty glass door slightly ajar I'll head there muscled open with my leg it creaks as you push it open the inside is pitch black well that's why I got eyes of the beast Vincent what are you doing Um, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm still getting a headache. Um, it's alright. You going to follow Hope? Yeah, I think I will for now. So Vincent, you oh. step across the threshold behind Hope, past the faded sign hanging above the door that reads, Greek Brothers Butcher and Health Foods. So, you have Eyes of the Beast activated, Hope. So, mm-hmm. as you step inside, the pitch darkness gives away, gives way to shades of grey. You begin to lead Derek and Vincent through the store. No role needed, as long as they follow you. You move yep. past the abandoned, move through the abandoned butcher's shop, past the old chiller cabinets, the rusty hooks on the wall, and the small bones left behind on the floor, through the stained plastic curtains at the back of the room. Push them aside, and beyond are corroded shelves, an old chiller. There's also a trap door here, and it's wide open leads to concrete stairs the ghoul gestures towards the open trap door and he whispers the haven is just beyond there stay here in fact maybe go back to the car he nods doesn't wait for a second word he turns looks over his shoulder and he just says do your best, please. And then he disappears behind the curtains. 
and I'll descend. You're going to try to sneak, be quiet, or just descend? No. No, no. With what I'm carrying, there's no point in stealth. Yeah, no point. What about you, Vincent? Are you going to stay up here, or are you following Hope down into what is presumably Sage's Haven? I'll follow. Follow, yep. And I've got Sense the Beast going, for the Sense record. Sense the Beast, yep. Hand in, Vincent, hand in your um dinner jacket on the butt of your gun, just in case, I'm presuming. Naturally. Naturally. All right. Um, Hope, I'd like you to roll for Sense the Beast, please. Three successes. Three successes. As you step down the stairwell towards the cellar underneath the butcher's shop, you feel, you feel Sage's Beast. It's meters away from you. It's snarling hungrily, locked in the throes of a hunger frenzy. She is here. And I'll put the cooler on the ground and slide that delicious blood out into the middle of the floor. At the very bottom of the staircase, a rusted metal door hangs half open. You approach it, lower the cooler onto the floor, and then push it towards the door. The door creaks as the cooler pushes it open the rest of the way. On the other side is a makeshift home, a mattress on the floor, and beside it are two human bodies, their throats ripped out and drained of blood. Sage is crouched over a third body, scooping up congealed blood from the chest of her victim. She's dressed in fishnet tights, a crop top and PVC skirt, and her face and hair is slathered in blood and gore. As you slide the cooler forward, the scent of blood permeates the room, and she's instantly aware. She stands up and in a single motion, whirls around, looks towards you. You see Sage's face congealed with blood and muck, her fangs poking out of her mouth, her eyes bloodshot, rolling in their sockets, bright yellow. She's under the thrall of the beast. And yet, something is wrong. As she growls, as she snarls, her pale skin is beginning to putrefy. Her left cheek has almost dropped away, revealing patches of bone underneath. Her body is necrotizing as it suffers the effects of the infection. Vincent, you're fine. As you see this, you're a little bit shocked that Sage has fallen so far. Oh, no. But nothing bad happens to you. Hope. I think seeing Sage in this state would count as a loved one being in danger, would you say? I would say so. I'd like you to please go ahead and roll for an anger frenzy. And as you do so, as you feel your own beast beginning to roar, beginning to meet the snarls of sages with its own, you 
feel the blood within your body growing cold, gathering around your joints, almost as if it's clotting there, and the infection takes hold. You must make your frenzy test at plus two difficulty, so that's four difficulty altogether. Please go ahead. Well, I'm going, let's see. That's remaining willpower plus, yeah, plus this is not humanity. going to, well, this is not going to go well. I am going to spend another point of willpower yep. and hope the dice gods are kind. Now, yeah. Now you have one less dice in the pool overall. Three successes doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. You're fighting to maintain control, and normally you'd be able to. There's a split second of lucidity where you wonder why the anger is flooding through you so quickly, and then you remember. You remember touching Kim Daring's flesh. Yep. The infection has taken hold in your own body, and that's it. Your beast roars, the anger takes over, you and Sage lock eyes and you begin to lunge at each other. Vincent, seeing this, what do you do? Oh god, um... I am going to... This is this is a lot to deal with with someone who's not very good at physical uh, physical confrontations. Uh, is Derek with us, by the way? Derek is with you. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to first look to Derek for backup, and I am going to I'm going to say uh, I'll activate or as well. Or oh, yep. And. Uh, I'm going to say, ladies, please, hello, and see how they respond to that first. As you step forward, try your best, very best to get their attention. They both turn, look at you for all of a fraction of a second, and then continue snarling at each other like rabbit dogs. All right. Um... Derek reaches into his pocket, pulls out some components, bites his finger and drops some blood into the palm of his hand and begins to recite the incantation for a spell, but it's going to take some time. Hope. You may ride the wave if you wish. Ah. Uh, I don't have a choice. I'm going into frenzy here, yeah? Alright. I ride the wave, which means means I don't take control of your character. You get to retain control of your character, but you're riding the wave. You're deciding to take control of your frenzy. You see Sage there, her face contorted in anger, and your beast wants you to put her down. Well then, by God, she's going down, and I'm going to leap for her throat. Leap for her throat, very well. 
with my massive uh, dexterity brawl pool of four. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead and Three make successes. a brawl check then, please, with that massive pool. Three successes. Three successes. Very well, very well. So she snarls at you and she's going to use her blink she's going to rouse the blood that's a success she doesn't get hungrier she's still at four hunger and she clears the room in a split second catching you off guard blinking across the room and then she twists her hands into fists and begins to wail on you, baring her fangs and trying to sink them into you. She's going to meet you with a... with a strength brawl of her own. And as she... as she clenches her fists right in front of you, you see her switch into a kickboxing stance as... The well-honed instincts still sharp in the middle of her frenzy take hold. And because she has a specialty in kickboxing, she gets an extra Mm -hmm. dice, giving her a dice pool of ten. Awesome. That is five successes. How many did you get again? Three, surprisingly. Three, yeah. So as you lunge towards her she punches out knocking you out of the air and then blinks forwards delivering a roundhouse kick to your septum you fall to the ground and she delivers another punch to the side of your rib you hear your bone crack and you take and you take two points of superficial damage awesome (laughs) Sick. At this point, Derek steps forwards and raises his hand, and he's going to do his very best attempt to extinguish Vite. On? He calls out, I'm going to try to drive her into torpor! And he makes a rouse check, which he passes. He does not get hungrier. She did just spend blood. He's going to make an intelligence blood sorcery check that goes against her uh, goes against her stamina plus composure, which is a blood pool of four. So Derek gets three successes, and Sage gets two. Sage roars as she's pushed to hunger five. And then, seeing you lying on the floor, writhing, trying to gain control of your own body, she smiles, a twisted, hungry smile, and prepares to make her next move. You're still riding the wave, Hope. You may attempt to regain control of yourself, or you may continue to ride your wave and try to put her down any way you can. Spend a willpower to compromise. Yep, spend a willpower. I now. want to take I want to take the cooler and shove it into her face. Yeah. Like just slam the blood packs into her mouth. You snarl. <laughs> clench your fists and you're ready to punch back at her. And then in the back of your mind, 
I came here to do a thing. I'm gonna do the fucking thing. Hear your voice calling. I came here to do the thing. Sounding so distant beyond the rabid roars and snarls of your beast. You look to your side and you see the blood you see the blood-filled cooler there. You just have to reach out to grab it. Go ahead, make a dex athletics check. And this is the point I'm boosting. Boosting, boosting, boosting dexterity. Hey, success. Yeah. Two successes, best I can do. Two successes, very well. Vincent. But hopefully my my friends are doing stuff. Vincent, you see... You see Hope stop writhing for just a moment. She turns and stares at the cooler and then begins to reach out with her right hand towards it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and, like, get it to her as best I can. Right. I'd like you to go ahead and make either a strength or a dex athletics check. Uh. Three successes. Three successes. Okay. As Vincent rushes forwards and kicks the cooler across the room, Hope, you reach out your hands, leaning forward ever so slightly, trying to catch it. Sage snarls and lunges down towards you, both fists barred, and she's going to roll again with her dice pool of nine. How many successes did you get, Hope, on your athletics uh, check? Just two. Just two. Oof. She gets five successes. She stamps down on your hand as it reaches out for the cooler, snapping the bone. And then as you struggle to pull away, she delivers another swift kick to your rib. You feel pain shoot down your body and you take... Halved to one plus two for her potence, three points of superficial damage. Uh, things crack. Hope is now lying in a strange way that nobody ever should. She is yeah, impaired. She is impaired. Derek is going to attempt to rare extinguish Vitae again. He drops another drop of blood onto his hand and begins to call out. <sighs> Go into torpor, damn it! As he steps forwards and rolls his. rolls his. blood potency roll, he gets two successes. Sage rolls. She gets a messy crit with four successes as she sees him begin to recite the incantation. She lets out another roar, bends her knees, leaps over you, Hope, and punches Derek right in the neck. He falls to the ground and takes two points of superficial damage. She bares her teeth and kneels down, ready to sink her teeth into Derek's neck. Hope, at this point, the roars of your beast subside. You seem to have regained control of your body momentarily. What do you do? The cooler. Get, well, first I'm going to 
Hey, I'm gonna rouse the blood to heal so I'm not impaired anymore. Good idea. Because that's a thing we can do in combat. And I snap back. And I do my best to run over and shove the cooler in between her and Derek. <laughs> Vincent, what would you like to do? Are you going to help, help me out this? here? Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so I would like you both to make Dex Athletics checks, please. Dice I was worried I was going to have to shoot I have no willpower, but okay. that only impairs social and mental. Sure. Double check to make sure I've got that. Hang on. I'll require five successes altogether, as that's what Sage has rolled. Four successes. Earth. We've got six between us. Yes. Nice. You hear Derek gasp. He raises his hand to try to fend this raging ancillar off as she as she snarls dodges and weaves and the two begin to wrestle Vincent rushes forwards he grabs the cooler on one side and you scramble forwards Hope on all fours grabbing it on the other side and then with a grunt of exertion you both slide it across the room it hits Sage in the side of her body She's distracted for only a moment. Derek groans, summons his strength and pulls himself away, edging backwards, kneeling against the stone wall behind him. And then Sage turns her head to the left. Her eyes immediately lock onto the cooler in a single motion she lunges forwards burying her face inside it scattering plastic blood and ice around her as she begins to savagely feast upon its contents <sighs> she licks up the blood tears the remnants of the plastic apart, scatters the rest of the ice across the room as she tips the cooler over, scrounges within it for yet more dregs of blood, and then she looks at you, roars bestially, and tosses the cooler across the room. She's hungry. She's no longer hungry but appears to be still locked in the midst of frenzy. Oh, fuck me. Okay, I've had enough of this. Keep her off me. Derek looks at you. He nods. Keep her busy. And I rouse the blood for something else as my body bulges and my clothes start to rip. You activate your horrid form, I believe. That'll take a scene. Yep. She's now kneeling on the ground, licking up the last dregs of blood that are on the Stake floor. Her if you <sighs> Derek standing there, both of his hands clenched, and you hear a sh as he shoots out his bone shiv rushes towards her just as she's done, just as she springs to her feet and starts to run towards you. Vincent, do you do anything as this takes place? I'm definitely pulling my gun and training it on Sage. Yep, do you want to take a shot? 
just to see if you can slow her down. No, no I'm right. going to. No, I will. I'll I'll yeah, aim for like center mass. Chance she could kill one of us if we don't yeah. stop her. All right, go center ahead. mass. Make a resolve firearms check for me, please, Vincent. Resolve firearms. That's three. Um, three successes. Three successes. Derek runs towards her, raising his bone shiv. He aims it towards her chest and plunges his wrist forwards. She catches him just at the last second, whirls around, delivers a swift kickboxing uppercut to his sternum, sending him flying across the room. He takes another two points of superficial damage and lands in a crumpled heap at the doorway. And then she looks at looks at Hope, whose clothes are bulging, tearing, whose flesh is boiling and twisting and changing, and she begins to run at full tilt. Vincent whips out his gun, aims it at her, and fires. Bang! How many successes did you get, Vincent? Three. Three. Well, she got a she got one success, so you hit her. You hit her center mass. You get plus two on your pistol, that's four, half to two. She takes two points of superficial damage as your bullet slams into her chest, making her flinch for just a moment. Just long and enough then. for Hope's transformation to complete. Hope, the sh- as the last of your as the last of your clothing rips and tears and drops off you, please describe what your horrid form looks like. The shrieking cry of something that was never born upon this world rips through the cellar. It looks for all the world like an, something like an owl, complete with feathers that are actually bits of bone marrow that pushed out bloody and red, drying to brown, and patches of white. The face is a pure bone shield, featureless. And for a second, it's, where's the eyes? Then the two wings extend out, and no, there's the eyes, all four of them. Good 20 feet cramped in the cellar, can't read full extension, his talons the size of tables, the size of small tables, clenched down upon the ground, claws six inches long, digging into it. The thing shudders and moves back and forth, and the ribcage opens, parting the feathers, revealing a mouth, a vertical mouth. Vincent is just it's stumbling a, back at this point. It's yeah. easily about ten feet tall, and one of the talons will lash out lightning quick at her. Vincent's just standing there, and he's aiming his gun between the two of you, not quite sure who's the threat now. Attempting to knock her back. Let's see, dexterity of eight yeah. plus the brawl. That'll be five successes. Five successes. She's going to make hers. And that is four successes. You win. Okay, the Talons do a basic plus two damage. Yeah. 
the talons lash forward, slashing her. She takes two points of superficial damage and is flung backwards, but she's quickly on her feet and charging at you once again in the blink of an eye, using her blink to close the distance in an instant and then clenching her fists ready to deliver a punch right into the giant mouth that makes up your torso. What do you do? Oh, the mouth snaps shut, hiding itself under the feathers again, then with lightning speed it's going to whip around and claw her and ease out of the way, folding itself in so that the friends can attack too. Go ahead, make a... make another roll. I don't know what you've chosen for your horrid form, so I assume it's strength. At this point, no, it's all dexterity. All dexterity. Okay, go make a dex roll. dexterity. Yeah, the things inflating on her were flight bladders. Ah, right. So that's four successes. Four successes. To Sage's three successes. Her fist slams into your torso, the mouth now shut. You whirl away and lash her with talons, dealing another two points of superficial damage, knocking her to the ground. She's now impaired. That's when Derek shouts, Now! and rushes forwards, and you see what's clutched in his right hand. The metal stake that the good doctor tried to plunge into the back of your chest back in the hospital. Derek lunges onto Sage as she rolls on the floor. A couple of your talons lash out grabbing her arms and legs as she tries to pull away from Derek, holding her in place. And as she lets out a blood-curdling scream of pain, Derek lets out a yell and slams the stake into her chest. The terrified, pained scream lingers for a few seconds longer, and then all is silent. Sage's skin putrefies, turns ash grey as her body becomes completely rigid. She lets out one last gasp as she falls into torpor. Somehow you've managed to subdue her. Derek, moves, Derek takes his hands off the stake, stands away and begins to breathe heavily. <sighs> and he's going to rouse the blood twice to try and heal his wounds. And he gains another hunger. So he's gained two hunger ov- uh, overall this session. Air hisses out from Hope's form and fills the cellar as the inflatable parts of her shrink and the feathers turn back into bone marrow and slither back inside her talons retract and reform until she's standing there naked, still battered to hell and back, glaring down at Sage (sighs) then she goes and grabs her torn purse and starts turning out her pockets and throwing things in there alright let's get her out of here 
Vincent plants his gun directly at Harp's head. What the fuck? Excuse me? You don't get to what the fuck right now. That's my job. Okay. How much do you... Were you aware during that? Kind of. It's kind of like riding a chainsaw as a bicycle. If you slip, then things get bad. So I'm really happy you managed to take her down before I lost control. That wasn't losing control? No. Fucking hell, I I can handle the body mod shit and the weird fucking... The shit you put into people's bodies, whatever. What I don't know what okay. the fuck that was. Scary. Derek chooses not to comment. He just looks down at the torpid, staked form of Sage. And he says... Well, we got her, and hopefully, when we get her out of here, she'll calm down enough that we'll be able to ask some questions. And you're just okay with what you just saw? He looks over at you, Vincent, and he shrugs, and he says, I, uh, I might have read something about Hope's clan being able to do that, and... So it is a clan thing? Okay, cool. Oh, this is fucked up. I'm thinking there's pretty much reasons we got a bad rep. And that's one of them. Derek nods and he says, Look, I'll agree. What just happened is definitely, definitely going to take a long time to be comfortable with. But... What's more important now is that we find out who's trying to kill us and how to put a stop to it, right? I mean, if you really think that shooting me is a good idea, this is probably your best shot. She worked me over, man. I'm... But... I'll let you in on a secret. I've known how to do this for a while now. This is the first time I busted it out in a life-or-death situation. <sighs> we have some serious talking to do. Sure. Yeah, I know I'm cool with talking. But, uh... I'm pretty sure I'm infected. Vincent lowers the gun, but he doesn't put it away. Derek stares at the two of you, his eyes wide. He says, she... She gave me a good hit during that, during that fight just now, and I... He trails off. Let's hope it doesn't transfer as easily as that. But... Yeah based on what happened to Hope. There's a good chance it does. Fucking hell. Yeah. 
So he says, "I dig inside the, I dig yep. inside the purse, pull out the little black dress, sigh, start it on." Derek, at this, finally seems to realize that you're nude, and he just raises his hands, turns around, and faces the wall. And while you're changing, he just says, "So, what do we do now? We get her back it's to one of our hates." It's already, already quarter past two in the morning. We get her back to one of our havens. Sun's just about ready to come up. Yeah, your haven's probably the best. We get her back to your place. Then we give the Anarchs a call. Let them know the situation. Let me, them know what we got. If we're lucky, the stuff in this file that we got from the head medical examiner and the data we got from the notes and the test subjects that we have, all three of us. I look at Sage, I look, point at myself, and I gesture up back toward where the ghoul's waiting. Are enough to do something about this. Derek shrugs, kneels down with a groan, lifts up Sage's torpid form. He drags her towards the stairway that leads out of the cellar. And then as he begins to pull her up the stairs and ascend, looks over his shoulder, down at Pope and Vincent with a grim look on his face. And he says, Let's just hope that we're not too late. And that concludes this session. Everyone gains three experience points. Yay. That's just enough. And next session, we will follow on from the very next night as you awaken in Derek's Haven with both the good doctor and Sage in your grasp, ready to decide upon your next move. With the blessing of the Anarchs and any potential aid they may provide. That will be in The Vector, part three, the finale of Let Blood Boil. I'll see you then. That was Tainted Blood. Episode 15 of Vampire War for the Second City, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat. With me, Dale, as storyteller, Lost Demiurge as Hope, H-Quen as Sylvia, Paradox Mimic as Derek, and Ash as Vincent Merriweather. Music was created by Kevin McLeod and is used with permission. Vampire the Masquerade and the World of Darkness are the registered trademarks and property of White Wolf Entertainment and Paradox Game Studios.